Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. Right, I want to talk about a giant of faith. For the next four or five weeks, we're going to talk about the giant of faith. Who do you think it is? Who's the giant of faith in the Old Testament? I've got a picture up on the screen of who I think he might have looked like. Who do you think that is? Abraham, you guys are clever. It is Abraham. Abraham started, Joshua 24 verse 2 tells us that Abraham's family and his father were not worshipers of God. They worshiped foreign gods. And we know from the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 10, that foreign gods are demons. Abraham came from a family that did not worship God. He grew up with his dad chanting pagan chants to a demonic idol. He grew up with all the negativity that worshiping foreign gods brings. Breakdown in families, sin, pain, poverty, despair, confusion, sickness. He had all of that in his life. And yet, at a point in time, when he was about 70 years old, God spoke to Abraham And Abraham's name was Abram at that time. It changed later to Abraham. It's funny how just the change of a couple of letters in a name can change everything in a person's life. But he was called Abram, which means exalted father. He had been given the name as a baby that you will be a father, a great father. And yet he comes to 70 years of age and his wife Sarai is barren and they have no children. Grown up in a pagan land, worshipping foreign gods, given a name called father but having no children. And the Bible says that God spoke to him. You know, we had a lecturer at Bible school who said the Bible is divided between Genesis 1 to 11 and then Genesis 12 to the end. The beginning of Genesis 12 where it talks about Abraham is the beginning of God's rescue plan for planet Earth. That is the dividing line in the Bible. Everything before that is despair and confusion. Everything after that is more and more of God's glory and His rescue plan being revealed to the world until Jesus comes and we see it in full technicolor glory. But Abraham is the dividing line, and he was not the obvious choice for a great hero of faith. Galatians chapter 3 says some amazing things about Abraham. Verse 6, Just as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, that's all of us, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand. In other words, before Jesus arrived, the gospel was preached to Abraham thousands of years before, saying, in you all the nations shall be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed with believing 
Abraham. I wonder who you see as your ancestor. You know, there's this TV show called Who Do You Think You Are? where a famous celebrity looks back at their family tree and they find out who their ancestors were. Have you ever seen it? And sometimes they are proud because they come from a, a very famous line of people, and sometimes they are humbled because they come from very humble beginnings. Who do you see as your background, your ancestor? Do you look at old family photos of your great-grandfather and say, I've got his nose? I want to tell you, if you are a believer, you are part of a family line called the line of Abraham. Listen to these verses at the end of Galatians 3. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. It's not your racial background that identifies you. There is neither slave nor free. It's not your commercial or economic background. There is neither male nor female. It's not gender specific. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. God changed history when he broke in and made an astounding promise to this idol-worshipping Abraham. And he said, your seed will inherit all things. Just in case you're wondering about that, Romans 4 verse 13, you can look it up later. It says, the promise to Abraham that he would inherit the world was through faith, the righteousness of faith. But God broke in and gave Abraham this promise and said, your children, your seed will, will inherit the earth. There will be blessings. The whole world will be blessed through it. And Galatians 3 says, if we believe in Jesus, we are included in that family of faith. We are Abraham's children. You are not your father's child or your mother's child or your family line's descendant. You belong to the line of God through Abraham. And just an aside here, this little man who had the name exalted father but had no children at the age of 75 or even 85, there are now 54% of the human beings on planet Earth who consider Abraham to be their spiritual father. That's over 4 billion people. This man has affected the history of the world in a spiritual way, in a religious way. Not all of those 4 billion believe in Jesus, but he has had such a major impact that every Jewish person, every Muslim person, and every person who takes the label Christian, even if they don't really believe in Jesus, but all of those categories look back to Abraham as their spiritual head. And this was a little man who was in obscurity from an idol-worshipping family. So shall we look at the story? Genesis chapter 12. I believe this is going to excite you and help you. Because we are. We are his heirs, so it's good to see what we're inheriting. Amen? You know, there are people who find wills, last will and testament, they find wills of people who've died, but they can't find the beneficiaries. And they go out hunting for the beneficiaries so that they can say to them, you've inherited something. I want to tell you, my dear friend, whoever's hearing my voice, 
if you believe in Jesus, you've inherited something. You may not even have even realized what you've got. Imagine being told you've inherited this thing, this house, this property, this money, this whatever, this business. I'm going to tell you today what you've inherited. It's amazing. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said to Abraham, Get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you... All the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him, and Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. The first thing I want to mention is the power of this promise. He says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing to others. That's part of your inheritance and mine. And notice there were no conditions on this. God didn't say, if you do this, I will do these things. He said, I have decided. I'm going to do it. It's called a covenant of promise. If you read Galatians 3 in your own time, it talks about how there was 400 years later another covenant called the law, which was conditional on obeying, but it says the law can't set aside this first covenant that was a condition, that was a covenant of promise. Just, a, I'm going to do it. I'm going to bless you, whether or not you obey. He says, I will make you a great nation. I'll make you, I will bless you. I'll make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I'll curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Abraham then started walking this out. He wasn't perfect. I'm going to show you in a minute that he didn't obey fully the first time. And he sinned several times. Have you heard the story of Abraham in a famine? He's in the promised land. A famine comes. Instead of believing God, when God said, I will bless you and I will look after you, instead of that, he ran away to Egypt. He went to the Pharaoh, and instead of believing God that God would protect him, he said, Pharaoh, this lovely lady, Sarai, I mean, the, the blessing of the Lord must have been on her. She was 75, and he was worried that the Pharaoh would see her as so attractive, he would steal her. He said, this lovely lady is my sister, not my wife. He was such a coward that he hid behind his wife's skirt. He said, she's my sister. Eventually, God protected him in Pharaoh's household. He left without Pharaoh doing anything bad to him. And he left with blessing. A little while later, several years later, he did the same again, even after God had shown him so many miracles with another king called Abimelech. He did the same thing. He said, this is my sister, not my wife. He's a coward. There was another time where the promise was delayed. He wasn't seeing the child being conceived that God had promised. And his wife said, why don't you sleep with uh, the slave lady called Hagar? And Abraham said, oh, okay, he, he messed up again and again and again, but he persevered, he believed, he repented, he kept on going. And 25 years later, 
his son Isaac was born. And then God's rescue plan was put into action. Amazing stuff. Let me read you just a couple of chapters later. Another time God promises these things to Abraham. In Genesis 15, verse 1, it says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Can I just stop there and ask you, my dear friend, if you got a letter from the government saying, we will protect you from harm, you would be so comforted. You would say, wow, the government of my land is going to protect me. If you got a letter from the bank saying, we will reward you and double whatever or help you with your finances, you would be so comforted. Friend, you've got a letter from God to Abraham, and in this letter it says, you are an heir of Abraham's, and it says, God says, I am your shield, I will protect you, and I am your great reward, I will bless you. Why are we not so bold and comforted by that? Why are we more comforted by a letter from an earthly institution, like a bank or a government, than we are by a letter from God? Amen? He says, I am your shield. I am your reward. Listen to what happens. Abraham then has this amazing friendship with God. He was called the friend of God. He goes on and says, But Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. He was saying, this servant in my house is going to inherit everything. I don't have any children. Abraham said, look, you've given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir. But one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, look now toward heaven. Count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. I, I just love this. Can you imagine Abraham? He's in his tent. God has given him this amazing promise. I will be your shield and your reward. Abraham presses God and says, but God, what do you mean by reward? I need a child. That's what I really want. That's what will be the fulfillment of your promise. Where's the child, Lord? And God says, all right, Abraham, come. Come outside into the dark night sky where in the middle of the desert, the stars are just amazing. A myriad of stars. He says, look up. Now start counting, Abraham. One, two, three, four, five. 259, 260. Can you imagine the scene? This wasn't a quick encounter eventually Abraham would have said, God, it's too much. It's too big. I can't count. God says, that's how many children you're going to have. That's how many descendants you're going to have. And now listen to this next verse, because it is the crux of so much of the Bible. It says, verse 6, And Abraham believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Just digest that for a moment. What did Abraham believe? Abraham simply believed that God was big 
and that he was able to do what he promised. Even though all the evidence seemed to say the opposite, Abraham believed, I will have that many children. I'm choosing to trust the word of God and say he is faithful. And God credited it to him as righteousness. That is astounding. Righteousness means all your sins are washed away. Just because he believed that God would give him lots of children, God said, you are righteous. It's extraordinary. Let me read you Romans 4, verse 13. Romans 4, he says, For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law. In other words, it wasn't by being good and obeying a whole lot of rules, but through the righteousness of faith. Simply saying, God, I trust you. God, I believe you. Can I challenge you today, my dear friend? What is it that God has said to you and you have not taken it and accepted it? What is it that God has said and you've said, oh, I'm not so sure about that. I'll need to, I'll need to see some more evidence. I'll need to be convinced a bit more. Because if we will take God at his word, just like Abraham did, the Bible says those who are of faith are the heirs of Abraham. That is the way that we come into this lineage of blessing. That is the way that we sign up as heirs to this will and testament. We simply say, God, what your word says, I trust you. I believe in you. I'm challenging us today, friends. You say it's got to be more complicated than that. Surely I've got to be intellectually full of knowledge. Surely I've got to do a whole lot of rituals. Surely I've got to go through some process. No, it's simply believing him. Seeing what he says and saying, God, I dare to believe you. Even if no one else believes you. Even if the evidence seems the opposite. God, I believe you. He says, now you come into the stream called the lineage, the, the, the seed of Abraham, the children of Abraham. And now I just want to show you one last thing. And I'm saying this to encourage you because the Bible is honest. It doesn't paint the highlights. You know, when you look at Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, or there's probably another 10 new social media things that I don't even know about yet. But if you look at those and you look at the photos of your family who live in another country and you see the beautiful pictures, have you seen them? Oh, they look so good. Everyone's happy. They're smiling. The food is the best meal you could have imagined. They're looking fit and slim and strangely 10 or 15 years younger than you remember them looking. And they've got a filter on their photo that makes them look amazing. And you look at that and you get social media envy and you feel inferior. And you say, oh, I'm not as good as my friend. I'm not as popular. I, I, I've got a sad life. I want to say to you that that is false because you're looking at the best projection that they can give of their life. But the Bible gives the real projection. It doesn't give you the highlights only of Abraham's life. We're going to see that God's Word shows us everything the good and the bad, so that we can become heirs just like Abraham. 
So stick with me for a few more minutes. Let's go quickly now. Acts chapter 7, verse 2. This is Stephen talking when he's about to give his life for the Lord. Verse 2 of Acts 7. And Stephen said, Brethren and fathers, listen. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he dwelt in Haran, and said to him, Get out of your country and from your relatives and come to a land that I will show you. Then he came out of the land of the Chaldeans and dwelt in Haran. And from there, when his father was dead, he moved to this land in which you now dwell. Acts 7 tells us plainly that God originally spoke to Abraham when he was living in Mesopotamia, other parts of the Bible tell us the name of the city was Ur, U-R, Ur of the Chaldeans. Abraham was living with his father Terah in Ur of the Chaldeans in Mesopotamia when God first spoke to him and said, get out of your country and from your relatives and come to a land that I will show you. So there's this land called Ur where we first encounter Abraham being spoken to by the Lord. He moves to a land called Haran, and then he moves later to Canaan, the promised land. Now, when you and I read about Abraham, the temptation is for us to think God spoke to him and said, leave, and he immediately left, and he went straight to the promised land. But the Bible shows us that he was slow to obey. It says, Mesopotamia, then Haran. Haran is the middle ground, the middle land where you're not fully obeying. And then eventually he went to Canaan. Let's go back quickly to Genesis 12. The Bible's amazing. It ties up exactly. Genesis 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said to Abraham, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. The Lord had said, and this, Genesis 12, is when he's in Haran, the middle ground, and it said the Lord had already told him when he was in Ur. Let's go back two verses, Genesis 11, verse 31. And Terah, that's Abraham's father, the idol worshiper, and Terah took his son Abraham and his grandson Lot, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abraham's wife, and they went out with them from Ur of the Chaldeans to go up to the land of Canaan, and they came to Haran and dwelt there. This is the honest truth, friends. This is not the highlighted best version of Abraham's life. The honest truth is God spoke to Abraham when he was in Ur of the Chaldeans. Abraham partially obeyed. God had said, leave your father. But he said, dad, let's go. His dad came with him and his dad probably influenced him to stay in Haran, which is halfway to where God told him to go. And it was only when his father died in Haran that Abraham eventually moved on and went to Canaan, the promised land. And I wanna to say to you, that you may have partially obeyed. 
In fact, I know you have because I've seen it in my own life so many times. God says to you, I will look after you. I will bless you. I'll forgive you. I will lead you. I will guide you. I'm your friend. I, I love you. You're my child. Now, as a response, start living for me. Start telling people about me. Start believing that you are forgiven. Start changing your lifestyle and your habits. Start trusting me to obey when I tell you to do things and to give and whatever to obey. And we go halfway and we stop at Haran and God said, leave your father, but we take our father with us. And God said, don't date non-believers and we date a non-believer. And God said, give 10% and we give 2%. And, and all these different things. God said, witness for me and we say, well, maybe. And we're in Haran. And we stay in Haran. And we never move on. And the one message that I'm wanting us to get today is that giants of faith obey, even though it may take us a while to get to where God wants us to be, we keep going until we've obeyed the Lord. And I'm challenging you, and I'm challenging me today, have you obeyed what God asked you to do? All right, one last story. Mark chapter 10. I'm going to close with this. Mark chapter 10 and verse 17. Now, as Jesus was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said, why do you call me good? No one's good but one, that is God. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, murder, steal, bear false witness, defraud, honor your father and mother. And the man answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Now listen to this, verse 21. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One more thing you lack. Go your way, sell whatever you have and give it to the poor. You will have treasure in heaven and come Take up the cross and follow me. We've just finished a series of sermons called Disciple. And when Jesus said to someone, follow me, he was saying to them, become my disciple. Jesus met a man who was very wealthy, but he also had a good heart and he wanted to serve God. And he said, good teacher, what must I do? Jesus corrected him a bit and said, hold on, people aren't good, only God's good. And then he said, but the commandments, and he was trying to show him that he's not good. But then Jesus said to him, I'm, I'm pressing into your heart and I'm saying to you, if you will just cast aside this idol called your wealth, because this man loved his wealth so much. He said, if you'll put that aside, you can be my disciple. Jesus loved him. He wanted him to be like Andrew and John and Bartholomew and Peter and all the other disciples. He wanted him to be with him. Can you imagine how history could have changed for this rich young ruler if he had followed Jesus? But he went to Haran and he never went all the way to Canaan. And he went away sad and Jesus was sad. Was he saved? I don't know. Will we see the rich young ruler in heaven? Perhaps, I don't know. But one thing I do know, he missed out on the adventure of a lifetime in his lifetime because he went half the way in obeying the Lord. My friend, 
Let's be giants of faith. Let's inherit what Abraham has given us. The Lord has given us through Abraham the blessings of Abraham. But one of the things we'll do is we will not stop in Haran. We will not stop halfway. We will not become comfortable and happy with mediocrity. We will press on and obey what the Lord has told us to do. And if you have been sitting in Haran for years upon years, it's not too late. Until you draw your last breath, you still have time to get up and move on with the Lord. Amen? We can do it. What is it that God told you to do? Maybe it was 20 years ago. Maybe it was last week. And you know in your heart you've settled for half of what God told you to do. Let's pray together. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.